Okay, so I don't know about you, but to me it feels like every day is going to feel like trade deadline day, except actually trade deadline day. And yesterday was no exception. Today, sizing up to be another in the example of every day is trade deadline day around the NHL. Welcome to the program here. So a couple of things. Elliot's going to be popping by here in a couple of moments. He kicks off all the shows. A lot to get to, um, namely the uh, the Jonathan Quick Trade. Can we call it that? Do we call it the Quick Trade? Um, or do we call it um, the Columbus Blue Jackets continue their rebuild in perhaps surprising manner trade? Uh, I'm sure you've seen it by now. Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Corposalo go to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, this happened last night. There were some very upset Los Angeles Kings players about this, most notably the goaltender who just got traded. Uh, going the other way, I mentioned Jonathan Quick, a first-rounder and a third-rounder. There are conditions here we'll get to. Uh, Patrick Kane is now officially a member of the New York Rangers. We'll talk to Vince Mercogliano coming up from Lohut here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, what this means, how they got there. I mean, listen, man, the Rangers just look so good and the Rangers just look so potentially dominant with their top six we'll talk to Vince about this coming up in uh, in about 30 minutes time also Greg Wyshynski it is Wednesday so Greg Wyshynski from ESPN will stop by from hour two also going to play some of our 32 thoughts interview with Bill Guerin general manager of the Minnesota Wild yesterday Bill Guerin acquiring Gustav Nyquist from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a fifth round draft pick uh, we wonder how much busier uh, Marcus Johansson as well goes over from the Capitals in exchange for a third. So Bill Guerin, um, pretty busy so far. Not so sure that he's done or wants to be done. So we'll get into all of that uh, coming up here on the program. We should talk plenty with Elliot about the Matthias Ekholm situation. Uh, he goes from Nashville to the Edmonton Oilers along with a sixth-round draft pick, Tyson Berry, who probably would have been a Pretty big piece in any type of Eric Carlson deal should he have gone from San Jose to Edmonton and goes to Nashville. Uh, Reed Schaefer, a first-round pick this year, and a fourth and 24 go the other way. The Maple Leafs busy as well as we saw Luke Shen uh, from the Vancouver Canucks to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The third-round draft pick goes the other way. Uh, Pierre Engvall, I know the slings and arrows from Maple Leafs fans. Pierre Engvall is now a member of the New York Islanders. So for all of you who said... Dubas and Lamarilla will never do a deal together. They don't like each other. Well, the Islanders just picked up Pierre Engvall and helped Cal Dubas with his cap situation, a third-round draft pick going the other way there. And um, Rasmus Sandin, uh, now a member of the Washington Capitals, uh, he goes in exchange for Eric Gustafson and a first-round draft pick in the 2023 NHL draft. And that's that's going to lead to some curiosity and some speculation today because the Maple Leafs currently have nine defensemen. On the roster, so does something give, and if so, where? You know, I had wondered about Gustafson going to the Edmonton Oilers. I was told no. Um, that's a lot of defensemen to be carrying in. When you consider that Kyle Dubas might not even be done yet, uh, you wonder if a um, one of these excess defensemen may be going somewhere. So this is all up for grabs. We'll go over the LA Columbus deal here with Elliot. This one. You know, started last night and broke officially this morning. And also, Elliot's got an interesting note about the Detroit Red Wings. And I do wonder about them, and I have for a while. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, I don't know where you put the temperature on this one, but at least there was conversation between the Red Wings and Dylan Larkin's camp about an extension. This is one of the things we wondered about in advance of trade deadline. Um, and now we wonder about the Detroit Red Wings. 
Like the Detroit Red Wings just got stomped two games in a row by the Ottawa Senators. Yes, we do wonder about Ottawa as well. Only a, a couple of points away from a playoff position right now in the East. Can this be their charge? I guess we'll see what happens Thursday against the New York Rangers and what Pierre Dorian ends up doing. But the question now becomes of the Detroit Red Wings, as things have trended um, since you know Steve Eisenman essentially stopped all conversations about players like Tyler Bertuzzi, um, they lose the pair against the Ottawa Senators, and we wondered if this changes the perspective of the Detroit Red Wings or the thoughts going through Steve Eisman's mind vis-a-vis trades for players with expiring contracts or players maybe like Jacob Verana um, who won't be there long-term for the Detroit Red Wings. Do the last two games change things? Or are we seeing, like, just bluntly, are we seeing a classic scrap between the owner who wants playoff revenue and playoff dates with his still a shiny new building or the general manager who says, I need to do what's right for hockey operations here. And can we afford to let someone like Tyler Bertuzzi walk away? This will be really interesting. We'll get into all of this with Elliot on the other side. Welcome to the program. It's another trade deadline day around the NHL. Let's get started. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. From Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, here's Elliot Friedman. Elliot, do you share my sentiment that it feels like, and maybe this is going back to Saturday, I suppose, maybe even Friday, that every day feels like trade deadline day right now? Uh, every day does, yes. It's been a, it, it's been a bit of a gong show. No, no question about that. It's uh, absolutely, but yesterday was berserk. Like there were, there were things coming in yesterday that like you do double takes and look at your phone and like, are you sure? Like, uh, like uh, the Sandine one was one of those. That's for sure. Like when I first saw that one, I was like, what? But um, it was fun. Like fans love it, Jeff. That's the, that's all that matters at the end of the day. It's no longer trade deadline day. It's trade deadline week. And maybe the quietest day of them all will actually be trade deadline day. Um, I want to get to the Sandy deal. I want to get to the Maple Leafs moves here in a couple of moments. I want to get to Edmonton. It's a lot I want to get to. But the most recent trade, the Los Angeles Kings and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that Corpus Salo went. You know, going back to December, he's been real good. You know, a top 10 goalie in the NHL. The Gavrikov situation finally comes to its conclusion. Uh, had been held out for a number of games for a quote-unquote trade-related reasons. Um, Jonathan Quick, uh, a first-rounder and a third go the other way. There are conditions. But how did this one come together? Because this one was last night into this morning. Well, Jeff, I think that it's been no, it's been no surprise to anyone that the, the Kings were looking at a last shot team. Like, no surprise at all. Everybody knew that they were in on Chikrin but they made an offer for Chikrin and that they were trying to get Chikrin. And I think it became, it got to a point where they just felt that they weren't going to get that done. And we also know that their goaltending had been struggling at times this season. Cal Peterson sent to the American hockey league quick had struggled. And, you know, Phoenix Copley had basically saved their season and you know, I, I just think in the last couple of days, it became clear that Corpusella was going somewhere. There was some talk about uh, Vegas. Uh, there was some talk about, there was another team someone was talking about, but I can't remember who it was right now. And there was L.A. And the thing is, I knew L.A. had been on Gavrikov quite a bit. But I think what they had tried to do was extend him. 
you know, teams had permission to talk to the agent. And I think the Kings have talked about, we'll do this if we get an expansion. And Gavrikov was unwilling to commit to it. So I think ultimately the Kings just decided, let's make the move and we'll see how this goes because they had to get another left deep. And um, now the whole thing mm-hmm. with Quick, and this is where I think it went sideways with the Kings and Quick. I believe they always intended, because the Kings were playing last night and Quick was dressed, I think they always believed to do the trade today, that they would, they would get it done today and that would give them some time to deal with it. However, because the news got out last night that their Columbus and L.A. were working on a deal, you know, everyone's chasing to find out what's in the deal. And at some point, I heard it was quick, and I started looking into it, and I think the Kings all of a sudden realized they were boxed in, that this was going to get out. And I think he was basically told, you know, right at the end of the game. So he was obviously in shock. I mean, who wouldn't be? And I think the thing here, because I asked around and I asked people, if, you know, what do you think about this? And <laughs> I think most people felt that when you have a guy who's been in an organization for 15 years and he's accomplished what he's accomplished, he should have known for longer that there was a possibility that this could happen. That, um, you know, even like you can argue he doesn't have no trade protection, doesn't have no move protection. This is a business, all of those things. I am willing to take your oral arguments in court, Mr. Merrick. However, I think from, <laughs> uh, from a personal point of view, considering yeah. how important Quick was to the Kings and how valuable he was, there is certainly an agreement out there or a feeling out there that if he was in this process, he should have known about it. Yeah, this has been like this has been a bizarre one. You know, Jonathan Quick, listen, we think about the Stanley Cups um, and the outstanding performances. I mean, some of the best, you know, performances that we've seen in the Los Angeles Kings uniform, uh, this side of Rogi Vashon and Kelly Rudy. Um, Quick is a wildly popular player with Los Angeles. Um, he hosted, you know, <laughs> that Super Bowl weekend, Ellie, you can very well remember it. I mean, Jonathan Quick hosted the Super Bowl party for the Los Angeles Kings. And that Sunday was all about, you know, who's going for Jacob Chikrin Day. And all the, you know, Kings yeah. players, I'm, I'm sure, were sitting around staring at their phones, looking around saying, you know, which one of us or which combination of us aren't going to be here, you know, by, by the end of the Super Bowl this, this time around. Um, I always, like, I don't, I don't like to put too much stock in popularity in the room and good guy in the room and all that because, you know, as people always remind me, hey, Jeff, they don't flood the room. But I, I always wonder about, and you've talked about this with Al McInnes, what does it do to a room? Not necessarily when you bring someone in, or in this case, two people in, but you take someone out who's as wildly popular as Jonathan Quick was. How much of a sensitivity is that in this situation? Well, it, it should be a sensitivity. And in this case, like I don't know what their, like, obviously Rob Blake hasn't spoken yet. I don't know what their plans were for how they were initially planning to do this. But obviously things went way off track and he didn't know. And I'm sure that, you know, it, you know the thing that's going to stand out to people is a couple of weeks ago, they did a ceremony for Dustin Brown and people were like, yep. what Dustin Brown's getting a statue. And my whole point is that stupid. Like what, what should matter is how the community and the Kings fans feel about Dustin Brown. And they obviously feel really great about him. 
Um, so to yes. me, that's all that matters. I think when you look at uh, Brown and then you look at this, and I'm sure Jonathan Quick will get his statue anyway, but you, you just look at it and you say, wait a sec. Like, and if you remember how Brown's career ended, um, it, was, it was different. So I, I think that that's the way people look at it. Like, like, like if, you, if you've been around there a long time, like those guys like Dowdy and Kopitar have been, you look at it and you're like, wait a sec, that's, that's not the way that this should be. And uh, I, would, I, would, I would say, I assume that whenever the Kings do talk about it, I would expect there'd be some admission of that. They'll say it's a business, but you know what? We could have done it a little bit better. They just, you know what happened, Jeff, at this time of year? They lost, they lost control of the narrative. That's what they did. Yeah. It happens. It's uh, it, it's a crazy time. At this time of year, uh, especially. Okay, so a lot of other things. Absolutely. I, I do want to get to Jacob Chikrin here, and I, I do have one team that I'd like to propose as a potential maybe new suitor for this team. But before we get there, uh, you have a note on your timeline about Dylan Larkin and the Detroit Red Wings maybe inching towards a contract extension here, Fridge. Well, you know how careful I am with my language. Um, and... Uh, but I, I woke up this morning to some notes that um, it was getting closer. And uh, I think this came to a head recently. I, I, think, uh, I think it's possible the Red Wings wanted an answer. And uh, I, I think this um, came, uh, I, I think it, it came to a head recently. And I think we're, it sounds like nothing's done until it's done, but it sounds like we're getting mm. there. And uh, I don't know if it'll be today or tomorrow, um, but it really sounds like it's uh, it's it's heading in that right direction. There seems to be optimism. So, speaking, right, and we we all think it's going to come in, in in and around something like eight times eight or eight point five times eight, somewhere in that range. But we'll, we'll we'll stand by to see where that goes. Now, the Detroit Red Wings. We talked yesterday about if the Wings lose to the Ottawa Senators, what does that mean for? Trade discussions now. All of a sudden, has you know Tyler Bertuzzi re-entered the chat, etc. Um, they lost again yesterday to Ottawa. I want to get to Ottawa in a couple of seconds because that's an impressive pair of wins for them. But how much does that change in your estimation, Steve Eiserman's thoughts leading up to Friday, or do you think maybe? And I, I think that there might be something to this. You know, ownership has gotten this close to getting some playoff dates some playoff revenue to showing off this brand new building in the play in the postseason. that maybe it's we're holding on to our guys and we are still going to take a shot at this. Where do you think Detroit is at after that loss last night? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I think that it's, I, I think it's, it's not only just how the last two nights went, I think if you're looking at the arms race on top of the Eastern Conference, Jeff, it's like, realistically, yeah. what are we looking at here? Like, if they make the playoffs, it's probably Boston. And I think they look at it and say, can we win a seven-game series with that team? And in the playoffs, anything can happen. We all know that. But still, I think you're, you're yeah. playing the odds. And plus, you know, Jeff, and you've talked about this, when you look at all the returns for some of these players – I'm sure Eiserman looks at this and says, what can I get for Larkin? I, I like this. And so, like... For, for, for Larkin think, or for Bertuzzi? 
Sorry, excuse me, excuse me, I apologize. For Bertuzzi, I apologize. That would have been a bad slip okay. up. For, for Bertuzzi. Like, you must look <laughs> at it and say, what can, what, what can, thank you for bailing yeah. me out. Uh, what, what can I get for no Bertuzzi? And I'm sure it would be quite a lot. I think there's a lot of teams out there that really like him. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I had, I had one general manager said to me yesterday, he said that, um, you know, no matter what was out there, and he says, I don't disbelieve yours or anyone else's reporting. I think Detroit did take him off the market for a while. But I do think he was always going to get traded. Like, that was always going to be the plan. And, and I said, we'll see. Hmm. You might be right. Um, you know, but we'll see where this week goes. Like, we've talked about the whole thing with Detroit. Like, six years, seven years, no playoffs, new building. Yep. Like, sometimes these decisions do get made. But, you know, the one thing I do think is I think Eisman has a lot of power in that organization to call his shots. And, you know, if he, if he sees a deal he wants to make, I'd always be curious about who is who is the juice to go tell Steve Eisenman, you you're not doing that. Like I, that's a conversation I would I would love to see. Uh, to be a fly on the wall for that one. Okay, let me let me throw one other thing out at you here. Now yeah. that the uh, the Los Angeles Kings are off the board as potential suitors for Jacob Chikrin, had a conversation mm-hmm. with someone this morning who wondered. If maybe Detroit, because it still fits with mm-hmm. what they want to do. He's not an old player. This isn't a rental. If Detroit mm-hmm. would enter the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes. I know that a Larkin deal is on the horizon. I get it. There are some other contracts that are due and guys need money. But it's not as if Jacob Chikrin's contract is going to break the bank. They have a lot of cap space. They have a lot of young assets. Uh, they have their first round pick this year. They have their first round pick next year. Do you think there's a chance that at the end of all of it, maybe Detroit gets in the mix here? Well, I don't want to discount anyone, uh, Jeff, and you make a good theory. I always assume that there are teams out there that we don't figure out, right? It's not like Steve Eiserman is going out there telling us what he's going to do. So it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, the things I look at for Chickering right now, um, you know, everyone's talking about Pittsburgh. I don't disagree. The one thing is that Pittsburgh's going to have to move money. And we all know how Arizona feels about that right now. So that's my one question. Oh, yeah. is how does that, it doesn't mean it's impossible, but it makes it harder. So I, I think Pittsburgh to Chickering, uh, somebody warned me yesterday, it might be a bit of a tougher path. You know, I know I've been beating this drum. Uh, I really do. And I know it's, um, some of you may find it nauseating, but this whole thing with Columbus. <laughs> so, because Columbus obviously isn't trading their number one this year. It might get them Connor Bedard. But what they might yeah. do, like they were supposed to get Boston's number one in the aborted Gavrikov deal. Well, now they have a better number yeah. one. And so I, I'm just assuming they're going to throw it at the Coyotes and say, you know, what do we have to do here? So I think that's going to happen. So I think Detroit's a good call. I've still wondered about Winnipeg, too, just because Chikrin's a player with term. Yeah. And Winnipeg would like that. So I'm looking at Winnipeg. I'm looking at uh, Pittsburgh. I'm looking at Columbus. I'll throw in Detroit. You know, St. Louis, I get different opinions on that, Jeff. I have some teams who say they're in it, and I have some teams that say they're just there to raise the price for someone else, that they're not going to do it. We'll see. And the other team I wonder about here is Carolina. Carolina is looking for a lefty. Um, and you know, Chikrin fits their profile. He's, uh, he, ha- he, he has term. So I, don't, I wouldn't say they're the favorites, but I would say that they're around it. 
Okay, so this saga um, continues. Let me ask you about the Calgary Flames. Now, this is okay. after last night's disappointing loss in what was uh, a really intriguing game, a game that yep. you know the Calgary Flames, from, from stem to stern, just dominated. Final shots, 57-19. Uh, Linus mm-hmm. Allmark may have won the Vesna Trophy last night for that performance. He was... He was flat out incredible and a gorgeous goal ends it by the Boston Bruins in overtime. Flames pick up the one point, but they're watching playoff hopes dwindle. You know, we wondered about Detroit and their reaction after a pair of losses against Ottawa. What do we do now with a tough Calgary loss against the Boston Bruins team? And what really sucks about it, just point blank, that's a game Calgary should win. Like in 99 out of 100 games played that way, with those shot totals and the way the Flames played hard, they should win that game. Like, that is their game. But Linus Olmark had other plans. What happens with Calgary now? Well, it's not only that Olmark was so good. It's just that you had that same script that's been killing you all year. Uh, like, uh, Boston scores on yeah. the first shot. What's that, the eighth time this year? So you're, you're already down one nothing, And then you're down 2 nothing, And your team fights to get back in. Uh, and they lose. And, um, you know, like I, first of all, we're talking about waiting for Carolina to do something. Like I look at Tyler Toffoli one more year, having a really good season and Justin Williams is in Carolina. Like that one, like I look like maybe I'm just making it up, but, uh, like I wonder about that one. If there's, if there's any chance that, you know, the, the hurricanes look at a player like him. I do think the Flames are getting asked, what do you want to do here? Uh, I do think that's happening. You know, Calgary's got a lot of guys who have one year left, and they're all good players. And um, I I think they're going to have some things to weigh. I think they're going to have some decisions to make. Because, you know, when when Meyer went off the board, like one of the things that, you know, I was asking around, okay, where's the ripple effect? And you're asking all this. And I had a couple teams say to me, the team that could have a lot to say about this is, is the Flames. Because if they decide they want to sell or they want to move, they've got good players there, or good players there, who you can get two playoff runs out of. So, I mean, I, I was watching them last night, and I'm thinking, okay, who has connections to what? Um, and uh, who has connections to what? And, you know, Justin Williams, Tyler Toffoli, it just – you know, like, again, I could be speaking out of my butt, but Jeff, like, I was looking at that and saying, I know what Carolina likes. I know the influence Williams has there. You know, that was just something that, you know, I kind of thought about. You know who else has a connection to Carolina? Elias Lindholm. Who's that? Yeah, you know, I thought about him, too. Elias Lindholm. I, <laughs> I, I, I did think of Lindholm, too. Yes, I, that also. But anyway, I think I think Calgary has decisions to make. I, I, I really do. I think. Yeah. I think there are choices they need to make. All right. Uh, so we'll see there. Um, thoughts on what we saw yesterday out of Kyle Dubas. And, you know, when, when I say Kyle Dubas these days, I always want to throw in uh, Brandon Pridham's name, who handles the salary cap. And, you know, it's this time of year where as much as the general managers are the ones on the podium taking the bows for the deals, uh, a lot of the heavy lifting is done by the salary cap managers, a lot of times assistant GMs that have to figure out how this Rubik's Cube is going to work. So uh, a number of deals by Kyle Dubas yesterday. Luke Shen 
returns to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Pierre Engvall out to the New York Islanders. There's the Washington deal that you referenced with Rasmus Sandin going out. The Maple Leafs get a first, uh, and Eric Gustafson as well. The Maple Leafs now have nine defensemen on their roster. I look at it and I say, okay, but is someone now going to be on the move because not too many teams do this. How do you see Kyle Dubas, or how did you see Dubas's moves yesterday, and what do we expect in the next couple of days out of Dubas? Well, I, like the one thing I think a lot of people are wondering uh, is, is he going to go after a goalie? And from what I can tell, the answer is that that is no. Now, I've been surprised by a few things that have happened over the last 24 hours, but I, I, I have looked into it. Are they in the market for a goalie? And I keep getting told no. So for now, that's what I'm going with. Um, you know, I, I do wonder if he's going to try to, like, look, at this point in time, you cannot assume he's done with anything. Like, you know, he's sending a message he can oh, do yeah. anything. I, I think we're wondering at what point is it too much. But I think his only opinion here is I'm trying to make the team better. You know, I, I think what they've done is, like, I wonder, does he still think they – one of the things that – and I talked about this last night with, uh, with, with Ben and Blake, uh, and I think they are a little they're, – they're wondering about this is, are you going to have people unhappy because there's just no room for them? So, uh, like, the other thing I'm wondering is, is he just going to move someone out just so that you don't get people grumbling that, well, I had a role before and now I don't have one. I, I, I know your theory mm-hmm. about Gustafson. I, 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 you know, we talked about the possibility. The one thing I heard about Gustafson yep. is if Riley, if anything happens to Riley, well, first of all, it's bad. But secondly, you need someone yeah. who can run your power play. And now with both Riley and San, with, with if you didn't have Riley and Sandine gone, Gustafson fills that role for you. So I don't, I'm not as certain that he's going anywhere um, or being flipped. I, I th- like one of the things I'm just looking at right now is I'm trying to figure out, okay, is there anyone else he's targeted that he really wants? That's number one. And number two um, is, is he going to move people out just because he doesn't want too many extra bodies who might not be happy about it? Mm-hmm. We'll see about that one. Um, also, yesterday, I can't yeah, believe Maybe he goes and gets his great white wild Tyler Bertuzzi, Jeff. Well, listen, he's he's fished for that great white whale. Uh, he did a couple of years ago. Um, that's someone... Like, there have been people that have told me that that was one of the... Like, back when Dubas was uh, managing the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds of the OHL, that one of his regrets was he wasn't ever able to land... Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi ended up playing, you know, with the uh, uh, with the uh, with the Gulf Storm, um, and maybe that continues into the NHL. We know a few trade deadlines ago that he was looking for Tyler Bertuzzi. Could there still be a deal there now? We'll see. All all I know is the Maple Leafs uh, probably still have a desire, and now Elliot, they have another first round pick to play with. That's right. So we'll see. Um, Okay, we've gotten gotten deep into this conversation, and although we've talked about him plenty, it's now official or was made official yesterday. Um, Is there anything more we can add on Patrick Kane becoming a New York Ranger? I'm going to talk to Vince Mercogliano here in a couple of moments, but anything else you'd like to mention about Patrick Kane? 
I got a couple of hilarious uh, text messages about our segment yesterday about the equipment being moved. Uh, that one, I, <laughs> uh, well, you, you, you know what? Um, it, it's it's not good for TV because you want you want Patrick Kane on a big stage night, it's a national television night, Rangers Philadelphia. But I understand why they told him yeah. to wait a day and and, and meet the team yeah, in New I York know. and just settle down and, and decompress. Um, you know, like I have to say this. It's interesting to see, like, you know who retroactively, a guy who's taken a lot of heat, who actually did a really good job with this, with a similar trade, was Chuck Fletcher. You look at what Chicago got, and you look at what Philly got in the same situation, it's very different. And because mm-hmm. and, uh, initially I heard, Florida was the same as the Rangers. They were like, we, you know, we have all the leverage here. You know, like we don't have to do yeah. anything. And and I and I think at that time Florida was happy that it was was okay with moving Owen Tippett because it wasn't working there. But they got a first and a player who looks kind of rejuvenated in Philadelphia. And you know, and and the Blackhawks got a conditional second and a fourth. Like I remember when I was when I was thinking about it yesterday. You know, Philly did a really nice job getting what they did out of that trade because when you get the because they could have easily had the leverage squeezed on them like the Blackhawks did. Mm-hmm. You know, part of that 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 was an interesting one, and a lot of that is, of course, Owen Tippett. Who, by the way, a you got to give it up to Owen Tippett for helping turn his career around. Uh, I think you have to give a lot to John Tortorella for helping Owen Tippett. Like when 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 we thought of the idea of Owen Tippett playing for John Tortorella, you think to yourself maybe, uh oh, this could be a disaster. But quite the opposite happened. But getting there, I mean, Owen Tippett. I, I believe you know the Florida Panthers. You know, continued to ask for a first round pick for for Owen Tippett and when they're doing the Philadelphia deal I think Philadelphia may have said if you think he's a first rounder go ask for him around the NHL if you can get a first rounder and it didn't happen and Zito went back and said okay I can't get a first uh, for Owen Tippett but um, I think a lot of that and a lot of the credit has to go to both the player and that head coach like I don't I'm stunned that it happened pleasantly so but Mm -hmm. the combination uh, of John Tortorella and Owen Tippett has been real good. That's why I'm always cautious about saying like, "Oh, this player is not going to work with this coach," or "Oh, how's this player yeah, going to work with Philadelphia Flyers?" Yeah. Bring him in because, but you never know. Like that's the thing. You, yeah. you never know. And case in point, now um, Owen Tippett. Uh, a little bit later on, we're going to play part of the interview that just we just dropped with uh, Bill Guerin, general manager of the Minnesota Wild. Yesterday, he made a couple of moves. Uh, picks off Gustav Nyquist from the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, and also Marcus Johansson from the Washington Capitals. Quick thought on the Minnesota Wild um, and hilarious comments by Ryan Reeves last night, by the way, and a scary fight too. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on the Minnesota Wild right now? Well, I, I, he's doing what we basically expected, uh, players with no term. And so I don't think it's a big surprise that uh, he's doing that. I went to the game on Friday in Toronto, and man, did they make that game unentertaining for 60 minutes. Like lots of whistles, <laughs> slow the game down. And then it got to overtime, and Nylander got going. But like, they're, like, that's, like that's a team that's a hard out, whoever gets them. They're going to grind the hell out of you. Like, I don't know which, which um, excerpt you're playing, 
But whether you listen to it here or you listen to it on the podcast or one of the various platforms and release it on, the one section that really stood out with me, like, as you know, Jeff, when you do an interview, there's always one part that really stays with you for a couple of days. And, and the one that stayed yep. with me was he talks about what kind of player they want. And you need a player that when you're in a huge game in a hostile building, does that player shrink or does that player deliver? I, I think about things like that all the time. All the time. I, I, that was the part of the interview that really stuck with me. Uh, you know, I, I think that he's making the Minnesota Wild in his image skilled, tough, aggressive, brave, like all those things we think about when we think of Bill Guerin. He's mm-hmm. making the Minnesota Wild like that. Like, that's why they're one of my favorite teams to watch. Like, I just mm-hmm. love watching because of a combination of all of it. I just, I, that was one of the things that I took away from sitting down with them last Friday. Anyhow, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, okay, back to another trade deadline day for you. Good job yesterday and continued success. And I, man, you, you must have the fittest thumbs in the entire industry, by the way. I was going to say that to you earlier. Your thumbs must be jacked right now. <laughs> I, I, we can call them like steroid thumbs. Yes, that's good. I like that. Yes, drug drug test Elliot's thumbs because they're they're uh, they're they're working full time. All right, from Thirty Two Thoughts <laughs> and Hockey Night in Canada, the one and only Elliot Friedman.